toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself, said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us, and what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought upon me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she is my sister, she is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is the kindness which thou shalt show unto me. In every place whither we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him, Sarah, his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee, dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. So Abraham prayed unto God. God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. I'm going to look here tonight with a thought, you are never too old to fail. You're never too old to fail. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, God. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and God, what you've done for us. And Lord, just again, the privilege it is to be here together. Be with us as we're in your word here in Genesis chapter 20. Be with me as I preach. Lord, I need you tonight, and I pray, God, that you would strengthen us in our relationship with you, Lord, in the decisions that we're making day by day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love baseball. I've shared that with you several times already, and as a Cardinals fan, uh, growing up just south of St. Louis, it's been a hard thing for me to watch this year on how bad they have been playing, but I, I saw a statistic today, since those people that love baseball usually uh, like baseball statistics in the 1930s, there was one ball player who set the major league record for strikeouts with 1,316. And that record has since many times been, been passed. The, the record now, I believe, is pushing 3,000 strikeouts in a career. But that same player also set a record for five consecutive strikeouts in a World Series game. Now, if you look at the career strikeouts, it's not too big of a deal. But five strikeouts in the, one of the biggest games of your life would be a pretty big deal. And it would be one that... Uh, people would be somewhat embarrassed over, and, and I don't know if that one has been beaten to this extent, to this point in baseball history. And that would feel like a very significant failure. But what I haven't told you yet 
is that that player, the holder of both of those records, career strikeouts at the time, and five strikeouts in a World Series game was Babe Ruth. And that changes the way we see that statistic a little bit, one of the greatest baseball players ever. You know, we find here in Genesis chapter 20, God's chosen man, the one that God chose above all others in his day to be the father of many nations in a great moment of failure. And if you remember Abraham's journey, we could go back to Genesis chapter 12. Go ahead and look there with me. Genesis chapter 12, we've gone over this. We, pre- we preached a message on this several months ago. If we look in chapter 12, verse 10, we find there was a famine in the land. There in verse 10. And so Abraham, or Abram at the time, was there in the land God had promised him, that God had given him to be in, and there was a famine. So he got scared and he left the land that God told him was his and that God told him he would provide for him in and went to Egypt. And you know what he did? He told, the, he, he told all those down there that his wife was his sister. He was afraid they were going to kill him and take his wife. He made this great mistake. And God came to him, God, God fixed it, and then God rewarded him on the other side of it and showed him his grace in the situation. And now we're back here at our text in chapter 20, and we find him a hundred years old now making the same mistake. And we, we look at this failure, and as we look at Abraham's life, and we look at all that God has given him, and we have been studying this the last several months, we're reminded of the goodness of God and, and the promise of God over and over again to Abraham. And none of us find pleasure, or none of us should find pleasure when one of God's children fall but as we look at this story I'm thankful tonight that God did not sweep Abraham's sin under the rug he didn't hide it I'm I'm thankful that this event is recorded in the Bible for us to learn from and I'm, I'm grateful for this as we look here in chapter 20 because just like Abraham I'm not perfect and just like Abraham you're not perfect we are all sinners and sometimes we struggle with the same sins more than once don't we and many times there is a sin that does so easily beset us and the sin that when it is in our life, will, this temptation will come up, it will become a stronghold and something that we know is wrong and we know uh, what, sometimes what causes us to fall, but because of that sin being such a stronghold, we fall into it over and over again. And I'm thankful as we look at the story tonight, we have a God of grace who still decided to bless Abraham even in these mistakes. And we have a God who still decided to, who still allows us to be used in his service and still blesses us in spite of past mistakes. If we look at this chapter, it's, it's definitely one of failure. But it's also one that we can look to that is full of hope for each and every one of us. So there's a few things for us to learn here tonight. It's not a typical uh, outline as we would have from beginning to end of this chapter, but a few thoughts from this story to help us. And the first thing we find as we look here in chapter 20 is that none of us are ever above the temptation of sin. None of us are ever above sin. Abraham is a wise old man at this point in his life. He has learned from his mistakes. We can go back to Genesis 12 and we see how the, drought, how the famine came. He left, he went to Egypt. God, told, God spoke to him, what are you doing? He, he threatened Pharaoh at that point, just similar to the same way he did, a, he did Abimelech here. And then God blessed Abraham, he sent him out, and the next time there was this testing in Abraham's life, he trusted God. He didn't fall, he didn't doubt him, he he had faith in him in that situation. But now we see him, a hundred years old, possibly just weeks separated from him seeing this, this, 
moment of, of God in the flesh there in the desert with those angels and reminding him of the promise that he had with him. And now we see him, a hundred-year-old man, just weeks separated from that special moment in his life, being reminded of what God was going to do. And as he's there between Kadesh and Shur and there in Gerar, he fails. He, he fails to trust God. He wasn't new at this, was he? he he'd been... He'd had the blessings of God and the call of God in his life for quite some time at this point. We look in chapter 12, he was just beginning his walk with the Lord. It makes sense at that point. When we look here in chapter 20, it really doesn't make as much sense to us at this point in his life. He has all these reminders. A hundred years old, mature in his walk with God. Understanding that tonight, there is never going to be a time in your life or mine when we will be beyond failing. There's never going to be a point in your life or mine where we, we will be beyond falling into sin. And we can learn from this mistake of Abraham. First of all, under this, never stop trusting God to take care of you. Never stop trusting him. You know, why was Abraham at this point in the first place? Why, was he, why, why did he lie in Genesis chapter 12? He lied because he left the land God told him to be to go to Egypt. You know, we look here in chapter 20. There's not a specific reason given to us. We can look at some of the details you know, many people believe that Abraham was leaving his home there in the promised land for just a little while because he was getting away from Sodom and Gomorrah. You look at chapter 19, great destruction came. The whole city was, was burned, it was burned to ashes, and, and maybe he thought all the area was, was, gonna, was burning up. There might have possibly still been some effects of that around, and for his safety and his family, he left for a little bit. Possibly that's the reason. But no matter what the reason was, we look at this chapter, and as he was where he was, his decision to pretend again that his wife was, his, was just his sister showed he wasn't trusting in the provision and protection of God. He wasn't trusting in God's promises. And I, and I want to tell you, when we come to a place in our life, when we no longer trust God to meet our needs and get us through the trials of life, we will be headed for a fall. When you get to a point in your life to where you think you have it all handled or you know what you should do here or we're not trusting in God or looking to him for help and strength, we will be headed right towards a fall. And we, we can look at, throughout the whole, whole Old Testament and we see a, a pattern, not just in Abraham, but we see in his descendants, the children of Israel, that same thing happening over and over again. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 23, just one, one illustration that I'll read to you. It says, likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea saying, go up and possess the land which I have given you. Then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. Think about the children of Israel for just a minute. Moment after moment in their life, they had mountaintop experiences, and, and they had great valleys, didn't they? They had victory, and they had defeat. They had moments where, they, where everything was going great, and they crossed the Red Sea, and then a few days later, they're thirsty, and they think God sent them to the wilderness to die, forgetting all that he had done with them to that point already. Then we look at them in the book of Deuteronomy. God told them to go take the land. It is already yours. And God had already told Abraham that. The land is there. It's yours. Go take it. They saw enemies. They saw obstacles in the way. And they chose not to go. They didn't trust God. And when they didn't trust God, it brought them to a point of making stupid decisions. This was a victory that God had provided for them. And they chose not to accept it because they didn't trust him to get it done. And, and as we look at the scripture tonight, how is your trust in God? Many of us know the Bible. 
We know who God is. We know what he's done. We know many of his promises. But just because we know what he said and just because we've heard his promises, it doesn't mean we always live in, in faith with them, does it? So first of all, never stop trusting God to take care of you. Second thing, never put yourself in a place of temptation. This is definitely, as we look at Abraham, he had a complex about his wife, didn't he? <laughs> He's like, she's so beautiful, and anywhere, anywhere I go with her, uh, there's going to be power, men more powerful than me that are going to want to take her for their wife, and they're going to kill me so they can have her. That was a fear that he had. We find it recorded twice in the Bible. Who knows? It might have happened more than that. But he had a fear that some man would kill him so that they could have Sarah. And when he felt this fear, instead of trusting God in it, what did he do? Both times we have it recorded, he lied. Not believing that God could take care of him. The same position, putting himself in the same position, bringing him to the same temptation, making the same mistake. I've shared this with you before, but anytime I think of this thought, I'm reminded of this joke. This man went to the doctor and said, Doctor, I broke my, my arm at two places. What should I do? And the doctor says, Stay out of those places. And, and as we look at that tonight, when, when there is something that has caused us to fall, stay out of those places. There's a sin that, that many of us in our life that may have committed several times, many times in our life. There might be people in here tonight with a stronghold and something that you fall to over and over again. I want to encourage you, stay out of those places. And if Abraham knew this was a weak point of his life, he needed to do everything he could not to put himself in that situation because when he was put in the situation, he acted with a lack of faith every time. If we know that we have a problem in any given area, it is foolish to place ourselves in a position to be tempted again in that area. And when temptation comes, what we need to do is what we can look at the end of Genesis in chapter 39 and find Joseph doing Run from it. Get out of the way. Get out of that place. Never put ourselves in a place to fall to temptation. And as we look at this first point tonight from Abraham on the thought of we are never above the temptation of sin or we are never above sinning no matter how much we grow in the Lord. May we never come to think that we've arrived to a place in our Christian life where we cannot sin or where we are free from certain temptations. Because as soon as we let our guard down, we are headed for trouble. If, you, if you're taking notes tonight, write down, the, write down 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. We know verse 13 where it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to, way to escape. We understand that verse. Any temptation that comes, we can get out of. But the verse before that says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, what? Lest he fall. The moment we think we're strong enough, the moment we think we're good enough, is the moment we have opened ourselves up for, for a better chance to fall than any other. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We are never above the temptation to sin. But the second thing we find in this, in this chapter tonight is not only are we never above the effects of sin or the temptation of sin, we cannot stop the plan of God. We can't stop God's plan. So we look here in chapter 20. When Abraham left the promised land to enter Gerar, he placed the plan of God in jeopardy, didn't he? Because he was the one that God chose. 
God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and your wife is going to bear the son. He'd already tried it uh, as, as she pushed her handmaid on him, and he made that decision. He had a son with her, Ishmael, we know that, but that wasn't God's plan. And he says, it's going to be Sarah and, and your son with Sarah that is going to be the beginning of this, and God promised to send that within a year of chapter 18. Look back at, at just two chapters back at verse 10. What do we find there? Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. According to the time of life, it's going to happen. She's going to be with child, then she's going to deliver. Within a year, this is going to happen. And if God would have allowed Abimelech to be with Sarah, it could have changed God's plan. And we understand from this text tonight that God kept anything like that from happening. As we look at Abraham, he was the main representation of God on earth at the time. He was the one God chose. He was the one God gave the land to, that God promised it, uh, him to be his people, and, and his, his seed would be the ones that God would use in many different ways. And he was to be a blessing to all the families on the earth and to represent his God. But instead of being a blessing, instead of being someone that leads others to faith in God at that point in his life, his life could have been a great hindrance to prevent Abimelech from ever coming to God. But what do we find here in chapter 20? In spite of Abraham's sin, God spoke to Abimelech, and God dealt with him anyway. And God worked through Abraham anyway. We look there in verse 3, God came to Abimelech. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. God went to him, God kept his plan in motion. We need to understand this tonight. Regardless of what we do, God's plan will be accomplished. We can't hinder God from working in this world. We can't hinder God from, from doing what it is that, that he decides to do in the world we live in. But what, what will happen is if we don't choose to obey God in those situations, we might miss out on the blessing of being part of what he is doing. But no matter what, God will accomplish his plan in the church. God will accomplish his plan in the world, whether we as individuals cooperate with it or not. We can't stop God. The other thing, other thing we see in this chapter is there is no excuse for sin. You know, God came to Abimelech, he said, I will kill you and all yours if you go through this with Sarah. She is the wife of a, of a prophet. And we, and we look there, I, I love, Abimelech was very smooth with his words, wasn't he? He looked there in verse 4, but Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she, even she herself said, he is my brother, and the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And then Abimelech goes to Abraham, and he, he looks at him, and, and he says, what hast thou done unto us? What have I done to you? To make you lie to me and put me in this position to where me and all the people I love and care about are, whose lives are in jeopardy. You know, as, as he speaks to Abraham, one thing that I noticed today as I, was, as I was reading through this is that Abraham never repented to Abimelech. Never apologized, but he had plenty of excuses. We, we, we look at Abraham's response here and 
It says there in verse 11, And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay, slay me for my wife's sake. He claimed that he acted out of fear. Because the only reason I did what I did, the only reason I lied to you and put you in this position, Abimelech, is because I was afraid that you were going to kill me. But let me tell you tonight, it was not fear that caused him to sin. It was a lack of faith that brought him to sin. The Bible tells us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if Abraham's faith in God would have been where it needed to be, if his trust in God would have been where it needed to be, then that fear would have not been there because God doesn't give fear. If his relationship with God is where it should be, then the fear that would come would not have been of God. Abraham would have trusted God in that situation. What The fear wasn't of God. It was out of a lack of faith in God. We need to be careful in, in, our, in our life not to have all these excuses as to why we do what we do out of the will of God. The second thing we find there in verse 12, he twisted the facts. Here's what he says. And I really didn't lie to you, Abimelech, because yet indeed... She is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So I know she's my wife, but she kind of is also my sister. It's, it's, I really didn't lie to you. He twisted the facts. He tried to, to make this fit something to where, you know, it's really not on me, Abimelech. The third, the third excuse we find, he hid behind his past failures. Look at verse 13. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place whither we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. He says, you know what? I really didn't lie to you that much, but at the same time, this is something we've always done. I told her a long time ago, many years ago, anytime we come to this position, if our lives seem threatened, just tell them you're my sister. Tell them I'm your brother. They'll take care of me. They'll take care of you. And then we'll try to get out of the situation. This is the way we've always done it. We need to understand tonight, just because it's what we've always done or what we've seen other people do, it doesn't make it right, does it? You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 that we are to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and then what? And lean not to our own understanding. To Abraham and his, and his sinful mind, that made a lot of sense. You know, I, this is the best way to protect me and, and what I have. It's the best way to get out of this situation that I'm in. But what he should have done is remember, God just a few weeks ago told me that my wife and I are going to bear a son. He reminded me of his promises. He reminded me of his protection, of his blessings. But instead of trusting in the promises of God, he trusted in what he thought he could do to protect himself. He hid behind his past failures or past decisions. Instead of doing what we've always done or what we, we've, we've, we've seen other people do that brought failure in the past, why not seek God in every matter of life? Those are the excuses Abraham came up with. You know, often when an individual is in sin and that sin is found out, they will always try to make excuses for the behavior. And they will either blame somebody else, blame the devil... Sometimes the, that person may try to pretend like they did nothing wrong or they may plead ignorance. You know, I really didn't think it was wrong at the time. We may act like we see nothing wrong in those situations. And there are many ways that we can handle sin. There's many ways we can handle being 
cotton sin, but only one way is going to bring restoration in your earthly relationships and restoration in your relationship with God, and that is when we confess it. Sometimes it must be dragged kicking and screaming into the open so it can be exposed for what it is. Sin is wicked. And sin has no part in the life of a Christian. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. I don't think anybody in here tonight wants, wants to fit that category. I think all of us, we, we want to be successful. We want good things for our family, for our relationships, for our children. But the Bible says he that covereth his sins, that person that doesn't forsake them, that person that doesn't confess them shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We look at the New Testament version of that in 1 John chapter 1. It says if we confess our sins, this is a verse not just for the, uns- not for the unsaved, but for the Christian in particular. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we want to have a good standing with God, we need to keep short accounts with God. If we want God to hear our prayers, we need to, we need to talk to him. We need to confess our sins to him. Now, can sin take away our salvation? No. As the Bible tells us that we, once we put our faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we shall have eternal life. That's a promise from God. Ephesians chapter 2 says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. So the moment we think something we could do could change our, could take away our salvation, we have then put salvation on us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he did for us and putting our faith in that. But sin must be confessed. If we want good standing with God, if we want our relationship with him and our communication with him to be where it should be, and if we want God's blessings, we need to confess all, all sin to God. Abraham, all, had all, Abraham had all kinds of excuses, didn't he? What excuses do we have? When we look at our life, when we look at the wrongs we may have done, we need to look at them God's way. And my pastor always said, there's never an excuse for wrongdoing, but there's always a reason for it. There's reasons why we sin. There's reasons why we choose to do wrong, but there's never an excuse for it. It's never okay. Sin is a choice to go contrary from the word of God. Never an excuse. Fourth thing and the last thing. Sin cannot overcome grace. I love that. Sin cannot overcome grace. So would you agree with me tonight... That Abraham, here in chapter 20, is out of the will of God. Yeah. But even though Abraham was clearly out of the will of God for his life, he still enjoyed the blessings of God. He's he's in a place of his own choosing, making decisions that God would not have him to do. And then at the end, we find him again blessed by God. Here's the the blessings we, we find. First thing in verse 17. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. God forgave him. Abraham prayed to God. God forgave him. The next next thing we we look at from verse 2 to verse 9, God 
even when he didn't deserve it, protected him from harm. And God made things right at the end of the chapter, didn't he? Look at verse 14. God blessed him financially, and Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him, Sarah, his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. And then he gave him money in verse 16. So Abraham's out of the will of God. God forgives him. God protects him. God blesses him financially. And then God used him for his glory to bring back restoration, not only to himself, but to Abimelech and all of his family. So what do we learn from that? Who we are in Jesus cannot be invalidated by our sin. We understand, turn to Hebrews chapter chapter 12. Knowing that, we also need to understand that God does chasten his children. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits, and live. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. So we know what the Bible says there in Hebrews chapter 12. As a child of God, As a son or a daughter of creator God, when we do wrong against him, God will chasten. But as we look at the chastening, look at it as a reminder that you have a God that loves you enough to bring you back to where you need to be. Be thankful for it. We know what the Bible says on chastening. We know and we deserve it. Let me ask you this tonight. How many of you could speak and testify That there have been many times in your life where you sin against God or you are far from where God would have you to be and God still blessed you. Yeah, all of us. What is that? That's grace. It's a reminder that God deals with you on the basis, not just of what you do, but sometimes even more of just who we are in him. What an awesome thing. Abraham deserved nothing that God did here. This is the second time he's done this. He's done other things. He didn't deserve God's blessings. There are many things that I've done against God. God still chooses to use me, and God has still blessed me and, and, and done so many, so many things in our life. Don't deserve them. But understanding that God, because of who we are in him, because we are his children, will still bless us even when we go against him. Can we do whatever we want? Why not? Why not just do whatever we want? Can we do that? No. 
We look in the book of Romans, it says, God forbid. And then we, there's many things that go along with that. We have not been given a license to sin. And if you are saved, there will be a desire to serve the Lord. If you're saved, there will be a desire to be right with God. And, and there's going to be many times where we may choose to go against him. But in those moments, a, a true Christian will be convicted and have a desire to be brought back to good standing with God. And it's also true tonight that after a while, and as and that sin continues, God will deal directly and completely with the sin in the, in the heart of a Christian. What I'm thankful tonight as we look at this promise, that Abraham hadn't gone, got, hadn't gone beyond God's blessings and that nothing that he did changed the promise that God gave to Abraham. I think I, I read it on Sunday morning, but Romans chapter 8, verse 38, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. What an awesome truth. Old old evangelist Billy Graham was driving through a small uh, southern town and he was stopped by a policeman and he was charged with speeding and he admitted his guilt. But he was told by the police officer that he would need to go to court and meet the judge and and take care of it that way. And so the judge asked him, guilty or not guilty? And he looked at the judge and he said, I'm guilty. And the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile, every mile per hour you went over the limit. And then suddenly the judge looked up and realized that he, he wasn't speaking to just any person. He was speaking to Billy Graham, this, this famous preacher. And he says, you have violated the law and the fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. So he then took that ticket that Billy Graham received and he, he took $10 from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and took, then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner that night. And as all this happened, Billy Graham looked at him and he said, that is how God treats repentant sinners. If you are a child of God tonight, you have been forgiven from everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do. That will never change. And not only have we been forgiven from that, but then God chooses to bless us in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done. Are we above sin? No. We have a 100-year-old man here with God giving him promise after promise, and he fell here in chapter 20. We all battle it. Now, there's this old... Indian proverb that was used, this old Cherokee Indian chief was, was teaching his grandson about life, and you, I'm sure you've all heard something uh, about this in the past. It says, he said, there's a fight going on inside me, a fight between two wolves. And he said, the dark one is evil. He's anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. That's the bad wolf. Then he said, the light wolf is good. He's joy, peace, love, hope. Humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, faith. He says, that fight is going on in me, and and grandson, that fight is going on inside you and inside of every person on the face of this earth. So the grandson heard this story, and he looked at his grandfather, and he said, Grandfather, which wolf will win? That old man looked at him, and he said, the one you feed the most. Every single day we make choices, don't we? There, there's very important choices that could be overlooked as just being some simple, trivial thing. But every choice you make defines you. They're a statement of, of who we are in, in this life, and, 
and how we are to others in this life. And it's obviously so much easier to feed the dark wolf, isn't it? Because the dark wolf that we may feed is the one that does the same things our flesh wants to do. The same thing our natural tendencies may want to do. It's easy to complain about things. It's easy to dismiss sin. It's easy to ignore problems. It's easy to give up and surrender, isn't it? There's not a whole lot of effort involved in those things. So yeah, that'd be the, the one that would give us more instant gratification many times if we just act in the flesh. But the light wolf is very different. It's a harder one to feed. Sometimes it's challenging and it takes time. It takes energy. And sometimes we don't see the immediate results when we act the way God would have us to act. The wolf that we feed will define who we are in our relationship with God. The wolf that we feed the most will, de- will, will define our impact on other people or what we are doing for the cause of Christ. As we look at this, this text tonight and as we apply, apply this truth to our life, the question is, who is winning the battle? You or your flesh? Who's winning the battle? If you want to be a light in this world, you can be with God's help. If we want to have the blessings of God, we can. So who are we trusting tonight? Where is our focus? Everybody turn to Philippians chapter 4 and we'll be done, okay? Philippians chapter 4. As we look at Abraham here in chapter 20, we heard his excuses, didn't we? He's fearful. He doubted that God could protect him in the situation. He had reasons why he'd done it before, and he just thought, you know, nothing was going to come of it. He was, had thought after thought going through his head, and there's different reasons on why he did what he did. His focus wasn't where it needed to be. Look at Philippians chapter 4, we'll be done. When we have all these trials, when we have these temptations, when we have these problems, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And the peace of God, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and then the last, and the peace of God shall be with you. We're not above sinning, but if our focus is where it needs to be and our trust is in God as it should be, we can live without sinning. We can live without falling. Every head bowed, every eye closed.